0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome back to the and Finn Podcast Network. We're brought to you by YakAdget. For all your fine quality kayak fishing assessments, go to yakadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting go to peloton.com and the 153 cake company for all your hard and soft cake go to the 153 angler.com So join with me together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water welcome back to the best finishing for noobs segment here on the paddle and pin podcast i'm a little out of practice sorry guys um i'm your host sean lavery um Tonight, uh, I have a special guest. Um, I can't wait to introduce him to you guys. Um, For anybody who doesn't know him, uh, he was nice enough to have me on his podcast, so I figured it only fitting to return the favor. Uh, But before I jump into him real quick, I wanted to give you guys a quick update on um, my fitness journey with Kayak Beast. Um, For those of you guys uh, who might have listened back when Ryan and I were doing the show, I had taken a week off and he happened to uh, interview Luke Prentice Uh, who is the kind of instructor of the kayak beast fitness program and um, a couple other people on the paddle and fin podcast had used him. Um, uh, Dustin from the saltwater segment had uh, really good results. I think he lost like 38 pounds on the program and uh, really uh, got in some good shape. And um, so I started the program about seven weeks ago. Um, I have lost 12 pounds so far, uh, but I think I've gained a lot of muscle. Um, so even though my weight loss isn't as dramatic, uh, I think I was really, uh, I had really let my, my strength, uh, training go. So I had a lot to recover there. Um, so I feel like that's been part of my, uh, the weight thing is just that I've gained so much more muscle than, um, uh, but I've also definitely gone down sizes in my clothing as well. Um, but beyond that, I have a ton of energy um i just had my cholesterol checked for the first time in a while and my ldl cholesterol the the bad cholesterol was down at 50 and my cholesterol hasn't been that low for uh, quite a while so um just props to luke and his program if you guys are interested uh, check it out Um, he's on all the social media platforms just look for kayak beast and uh, you'll find his program and if you guys are like me and you know put on a couple of pounds during COVID and kind of let yourself go a little. Um, It's definitely a program worth checking out because uh, he walks you through everything from diet to exercise, and uh, it's really a good program. So um, check him out online, uh, Kayak Beast. Um, You can find him all over the place. So uh, I'm pretty sure our Google search will put you right on him. So be sure and check him out. All right. That being said, um, we'll get to tonight's guest. Um, I know he just recently was on the OG show with Brian, not super long ago, and um, maybe a month or two ago, I was actually on his podcast, the Faith and Fishing podcast. So I'd like to welcome Mr. Cam Steele to the Noob show. Hello, sir. What's how are you? Sean? How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I was a little under the weather earlier this week, but I'm, I'm coming back strong and um, so happy to be put that behind me. And sure. um, yeah, so uh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I am doing well, doing well. Yeah, how's the the new uh, kiddo doing? He is um, growing like a weed, man.
2: He um, turned six months old yesterday and um, seems like he wants to skip crawling altogether and is trying to to go straight to walking. So we will see how well I can keep up. (laughs) Man, once they're mobile,
1: you're in trouble, brother. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, man, he's not mobile yet. I'm already struggling to keep up with him. (laughs) And man, and you you blink, and there's that time just flies by. Oh man, my kids are 16 and 11, and uh, I I feel like it was just yesterday that they were in that same stage. So let me tell you, it goes quick. So enjoy every minute of it. So for sure, for sure. All right, brother. Well, for those of you, uh, for those of the listeners who uh, either haven't heard you on our show or haven't uh, checked into your podcast, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself, uh, tell folks a little bit about how you got into um, fishing and um, maybe how you got the idea to start your podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Cam Steele. I'm the host of the Faith and Fishing podcast. Um, in terms of getting started fishing, um, it was, you know, uh, my earliest memories are of fishing, um, with my dad and my grandpa. Um, I was blessed enough to be able to fish with both grand, uh, granddaddy, grandpa steel and, uh, my dad. Um, so I've gotten a chance to, uh, to kind of grow up in it, um, as recreational, um, uh, Tournament stuff is never really my thing. Uh, It was never really daddy's thing or grandpa's thing, but uh, we enjoy keeping up with it. We just uh, not really, uh, we're a little too competitive for our own good, so we (laughs) kind of stay away from it there. But, uh, yeah, so in terms of getting started in the podcast, uh, a while back, I was listening to Chad Hooper. He he mentioned his faith, and I kind of thought, that would be a cool podcast is to kind of give, give fishermen a chance to talk about what they believe in. And um, another, another influencer said that if there's content that you want to see or hear or or, um, listen to or whatever, that you can't find, it's on you to make it. So I I figured it, I guess I got to make it. So
1: I did. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was definitely a niche that needed to be filled. And uh, I mean, I was really kind of surprised when I first got into the kayak fishing um, community to see how much faith was kind of intermingled in and how much it was a part of the community. So I, I think it's definitely something worth a story worth telling. I mean, the fishing, I mean, if it's in the kayak fishing community the way it is, then, you know, it has to be widespread through the fishing community as well.
2: Absolutely. For sure.
1: Awesome, man. Well, um, I know I've enjoyed listening to your show, um, all the different questions that you go, you dive into and um, the, you know, just hearing sides of people, even my fellow uh, Paddle and Fin hosts, you've had quite a few of us on your podcast now. And just hearing that side of their stories, you know, it's it's intriguing and it's, it's neat just to hear their face journeys and, uh, you know, how it compares to mine and um, just things that don't, you know, come up necessarily in our regular conversation. So um props to you for for finding that niche and and filling it very well. So well I I appreciate the kind words, man. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. No problem. Um, Cam kind of came to me with an idea for a show and it, it kind of intrigued me. Um he was talking about um in his area um starting to fish a lot of the local parks Uh, the small ponds uh, in these local parks and um, I really uh, seemed like a good topic for me at the moment because um, uh, I'm guessing maybe you know quite a few of the people who listen to this show might be dealing with this as well but uh, my local waters are completely destroyed right now from uh, Hurricane Ida the Susquehanna is raging Um, it's I just looked right before we started recording Um, the section right by me is at 166,000 cubic feet Per um and uh it's normally around 30 so it's eight times stronger than it normally is and it's but it's on its way down it peaked at i think 260 some thousand cubic feet per second so uh it's it was flowing like crazy yesterday um it's on its way back down but probably won't be fishable by kayak this weekend. So I'll definitely be uh, searching for places a little more tranquil. So um, I, I kind of thought that was a good segue into that because uh, you know, odds are they might be a little more murky uh, and have a little higher banks right now, but they're not going to be flowing like crazy, like this Susquehanna. So for sure.
2: Yeah. And I figured, you know, um, a lot of us start out whenever we're noobs, we start out on the bank. And we kind of fish whatever um, whatever water is available to us. And the uh, uh, city park ponds are a lot of times, you know, that's that's what we have. Um, and for me, um, having uh, Hen- Henry just haven't been born, um, being able to sneak off for an hour as opposed to load the kayak up, go take off for a day, come back has been the, the key. and. Uh, i've got one that's really close to work so a lot of times i can sneak off from uh, on my lunch (laughs) break and 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 fish for for a few minutes and then come back so it's it's been really nice
1: doing that too so just enough to scratch that itch right that's right just gotta just gotta scratch it (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly what you mean i like i've uh talked a few times on here about it but uh we have a small stream that runs by our house that when i take the dog for a walk uh if i need to scratch that itch i just take my tiny little trout rod with a a little trout magnet on it and a little like tiny split shot and i'll stop with the dog and you know make a couple casts in there and just see what i can pull out usually it's a sunny or a bluegill or something little but it's still something pulling on the end of the line so that's right you you know and uh a lot of these little park ponds, you take an ultralight in
2: there with something like that or like some wax worms or something, you can you can have a fun time. I've caught 30 fish in 30 minutes doing that. So it's it's fun, man.
1: <laughs> yep. No, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't for me, it never has to be a huge fish. You know, do I like catching huge fish? Absolutely. But any fish will do And if it's a creek chub or, you know, anything. And um, so. Um, one of the questions I, I kind of thought of, you know, cause I've, I've been to parks around um, my local area too. We have quite a few and, uh, and a lot of them do have bodies of water on them. Um, my kids did like a library find program where they'd hide a kind of plaque in a park that, and then give you kind of directions to get to them. So, you know, we'd go to a park to, <coughs> excuse me, find, uh, find these plaques and, while we're walking around, I'm like, Hey, there's water here. There's a Creek here. There's a, you know, this here, I wonder if I'm allowed to fish that or, um, how did you first find, I know, obviously you said, um, potentially you can see the signs of people fishing there, but there's other ways you found that out as well, right?
2: Yeah. So, um, like you said, um, walking around the pond, seeing fishing line and all the trees and stuff, (laughs) um, that's, that's usually a pretty good giveaway. Um, and, um, Another thing was I went on the Google reviews and asked a question. Um, you can ask a question on Google reviews. Um, are you allowed to fish here? Um, are you allowed to fish from the bank or whatever kind of question you want to ask? And um, I ended up getting a bunch of responses that way. So um, okay. that's a, that's a way to do uh, way to do that. And a lot of times the public's uh, public places like that, if they don't have a sign, you're, you're good to go. Um, and most of the time, you know, public places like that if if you if you go and fish you know worst case scenario someone's going to come and say hey you're not allowed to fish here um now it's 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 very different because you're not fishing somebody's private property i would never suggest somebody go and just wait for someone to tell them they can't do it on private property but on on a public park or something like that as long as you're being safe i think um, I think worst case scenario, someone comes and say, Oh, uh, just to let you know,
1: you can't fish here. So, right. No, you definitely want to try and be as lawful as you can about it. I remember um, on the way to my old, uh, the place, uh, retirement community I used to work at, there was a pretty good sized pond next to an elementary school. And uh, one day on the way home, I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop and just see if there's any kind of signage or anything around it. And I found a sign that said fish at your own risk. That was the only signage I could find. I'm like, well, if they're saying fish at your own risk, it's probably allowed. So I (laughs) stopped there maybe two or three times in the next couple of weeks and fished um, just real quickly in the morning on my way to work. And then probably about a month later, there's an article in the local paper about how there's too many people trespassing around this pond. And they were putting up signs then that said no trespassing. And I was like, okay, okay. So I'm not allowed to fish there, but I'm like the sign's kind of confusing because it says fish yeah. at your own risk. So <laughs> to me, that sounds like, go ahead and do it. Just, you know, but, um, but yeah, so, um, so you have these bodies of water that are fishable. Now you said yours are pressured pretty well. Yeah. Um,
2: very rarely do I go out there and they're not, uh, they don't have somebody fishing a lot of times. Um, <coughs> like if you were to go on like a Saturday morning or um, like Sunday morning, some of them are so pressured that like you kind of, you, you all go in a circle around the lake or <laughs> around the pond, just kind of like um, kind of uh, just you fish right behind somebody else. Um, so they, a lot of pressure. I mean, you can go in and like I said, just look at the trees. You can see how much pressure they get with,
1: um, how many bad casters um, are <laughs> are fishing there? So <laughs> nice, nice. And and what kind of fish are you finding in these? Uh, you know, does it vary? Pretty good, or yeah, it varies. Um, so
2: um, a lot of them are stocked by the city, uh, so they have they have bass. Now, I mean, don't expect giants. Um, a lot of times, if you catch a three pounder, people are like jaws dropping and staring at you like that's the biggest fish i've ever seen <laughs> um, but um yeah so uh, a lot of times there's there's some there's some decent fish in there i mean some get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom
0: brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, Two
2: and a half pounders that are, you know, they're Definitely fun. They turn a lot of heads uh from the people who have been fishing there for years didn't know there was fish in there. Um, <laughs> but there's uh and then like we were talking about earlier, this sunfish and um a lot of the times the city will stock um like grass carp. Uh the biggest fish I ever caught came out of one of these ponds. It was one of those uh grass carp. It was just over twenty five
1: pounds. Uh, wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, I can't it even imagine thirty four inches long. Oh man. I bet you people were watching that then too, because I'm sure he was splashing quite a bit coming. In. Oh yeah, for sure. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, so when you're going, are, what, are you taking like ultralight stuff or are you taking, uh, one of each or, you know, what's your setup usually that you, you hit these ponds with? Usually it's, you know, if I'm, if I'm, I, I
2: figure out what I'm going to fish for before I go, um, if i'm going to fish for sunfish i take an ultralight if we're going to fish for carp i take a couple um take a couple um medium heavy uh setups uh catfishing setups or whatever um with some uh with some corn um and then for bass uh so if i'm bass fishing one of these ponds i like to take one rod um i don't want to have to set down a rod cast uh a couple times pick up another rod move cast a couple times pick up the rod so usually um depending on the time of year is going to depend on what setup i take because um, if it's a time of year that i'm going to be power fishing i'm going to be power fishing um and uh so that's going to be my bait caster uh usually a, a medium fast action seven, seven foot to seven, seven, three, something like that. Um, and I, I'm much better in terms of accuracy and distance with a bait caster. Um, so, but most of the time, um, especially in the dog days of summer or winter time or whatever, it's a medium fast action spinning rod. Um, yep. because, uh, that way it's a, it's something I can throw something light on it if I need to, um, if I'm going to be skipping, I know i got to take my spinning set up cause I'm not good at skipping on a bait caster yet. Neither am um, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's another thing. If you, if you skip on one of these ponds underneath a overhanging branch or something that turns heads too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and then, uh, so for me, I like a uh, straight 15 pound braid. Um, I don't use the fluorocarbon leader or anything because, um, the, the algae in these ponds, these aren't like ponds that have a stream flowing through them. these are, uh, these are pretty stagnant. So the algae in these ponds stains the, like if i am using mono or, bra- or uh, fluorocarbon, mm-hmm. the, um, the water stains it. Interesting. Um, so like a, it's like a brownish, greenish, nasty color Yep. and, um, so,
1: I was going to ask you about that because I was curious. The, the few ponds that I have fished have been very similar. Like, uh, There's a fireman's pond close to me that I recently uh, just happened to hear one of my friends talking about fishing. And I asked him, hey, can I go fish that pond? And he's like, oh, sure. It's a tiny little pond. It's actually where they, I guess, pump some of the water from when they need to fill up their tanker. Uh, but uh, that was my first the first thing I noticed about fishing there was the bottom is just gunk, you know, like green slimy. You don't want to fish anything really that sits on the bottom, you know, otherwise every time it comes back completely covered in snot and nastiness. So,
2: yeah. And it it depends on the time of year, like the springtime, whenever the water first starts warming up, you get a really big uh, bloom of like the slime algae, like the green Mm. slime that just kind of, uh pours off like Nickelodeon type slime. Um, and then, uh, like they're like this time of year, it's, um, little less in terms of the algae, um, on the bottom, but it around the edges, it's really bad. Okay, um, almost like, um, if you've ever, um, if you've ever like put, uh, put eggs into ramen noodles, and like around the edges, it's like all like bubbly and weird and nasty looking. <laughs> it looks a lot like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting comparison, but yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. So, um, so you're, uh, I'm sure then you're you're picking lures that uh, or techniques that would kind of combat combat that a little bit uh, a lot of times. So,
2: yeah. So um, main thing is um, I like a long rod so that i can uh, lift the lure out of the water before it gets to that on the edge because it doesn't matter how weedless it is if you pull it through that you're pulling out a bunch of stuff with it yeah um so that's the main thing for me is that longer uh seven foot to seven three uh to um cast it out get it to that point and lift it up before it gets to it um that's my that's my
1: little trick for the the algae on the edge and then yeah generally you find that when it's on the edge like that usually the middle is a little more clear uh, even on the bottom most of the time
2: um again it depends on what kind
1: of algae it is what time of year um and are they mostly then soft bottom without the algae are they uh more of a rocky bottom um, or just a change up It
2: depends on the pond, Um, but most of them have a pretty soft, soft bottom because, like I said, it's stagnant and um, you've got leaves that fall in in the fall and they just turn into silt. And um, so it's it's a really muddy, um, muddy bottom. But um, yeah, so definitely stay away from from real heavy lures. I see people, you know, flipping. Flipping big creature baits on like uh, half ounce, half ounce <laughs> weights all the time, and it's like, nah, that's, that's sitting under uh, a, about a quarter inch of mud there,
1: bud. Right, yep, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so then, um, like, I the the little pond that I went to, that my the first thing I tried was the Ned rig, just because I'm like, okay, well, I'll uh, I'll try that. And so out of the couple of ponds that I have fished, the Ned rig worked very well on two of them. Um, but then two of them, uh, even that was almost too much to every time I dragged it on the bottom, I ended up having to swim it more than drag it because it would come back covered and stuff. So,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, if I'm going to throw a Ned rig in one of these ponds, it's going to be during the winter time. Okay. Uh, The water's a little bit clearer in the winter time. There's not as much, um, algae. It can't, can't survive in the colder water. So, I mean, we don't get super cold water down here, but, uh, (laughs) But yeah, um, if, if I'm going to throw a Ned rig, it's going to be in the winter time on one of these ponds
1: for sure. Okay, okay. Um, I remember. I think I was talking to um, the online outdoorsman about fishing uh, smaller crankbaits and stuff too in those kind of ponds, like uh, just little uh, stuff that might not dive super deep, but it's enough that you know. I like to fish moving baits a lot because then I feel like I can really cover water. Um, versus um, sometimes just crawling something along wears on my patience. So, and I Absolutely. actually, I've had some luck with those. Like I, I have a little rebel grasshopper looking thing um, and that, um, yeah.
2: So that's the rebel crawl, yep. um, crawfish. That's one of my favorites in these. Um, the You're speaking my language whenever you talk little crankbaits. Um, <laughs> and then that one is from a, uh, carl's amazing baits it's the the runt it's pretty much the only thing he they make that i really really like i can't get enough of these things this is the the i think it's called the it's whatever their sexy shad color is but their chartreuse bluegill color okay i don't have any i don't have any left (laughs) that is the uh that's the color i really like but um so yeah and and in my ponds, uh, here in Raleigh, North Carolina, they're, like I said, they're, they're muddy, they're murky. So, um, obnoxious colors, um, are going to be a theme here. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so those are, um, those are great. And another thing to keep in mind, um, is I wouldn't fish a lot of expensive lures, um, be prepared to lose lures because there is a ton of fishing line tangled yeah. up everywhere that if you look at a place and it's like, Oh, that's a fishy spot. There's a bunch of cover there or something you are going to pull. You're going to get caught on some fishing line. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second. <laughs> um, it's, it's okay to, to not know what to do whenever you are fishing, but, um, from here on out now that you've heard me you know what to do if you get your uh if you get your lure stuck um, and you know you cannot get it back tighten the drag down pull pop it off um, do not cut the line at your reel and leave leave 30 yards of fishing line out there and another thing is you do not need 20 pound line like monofilament line <laughs> fishing this stuff. You don't need 20 pound fluorocarbon. You don't need hundred pound braid. Um, I saw, I, I actually, I hooked, um, I hooked something and it was like, oh man, this is fishing line. I pulled it in. I I like worked and worked and worked and worked getting it up. It had a three ounce pyramid weight on it. (laughs) And it had two, uh, it, it was like, what i would use for surf fishing
1: right exactly was, i was just gonna say that
2: <laughs> it was it was wire it
1: oh my was, goodness
2: it was, it was like a steel leader steel leader i was just gonna say <laughs> with like what was left of like what looked like three yacht hooks like this this if you're fishing for anything in these ponds with something like that you're catching turtles yeah that's um, crazy so be aware that, of big nasty all of these all of these things have a bunch of snapping turtles in them so um, <laughs> be prepared to
1: to hook big nasty once in a while <laughs> i have actually experienced that thing uh that same thing as well a couple times uh the the place where i uh camp council at uh the lake there we've caught a few snapping turtles in the lake and um the kids get so excited oh my gosh i got a huge fish and they're pulling and pulling and i'm like uh i don't think that's a fish and then sure enough you know they pull it and then i've seen some huge snapping turtles in there uh like two foot around and they' are yeah, like, oh.
2: uh the big problem here is they get fed oh. um so um we like you're fishing and like they follow you around oh my because goodness. they're expecting to get fed so um
1: don't don't feed snapping turtles y'all don't <laughs> don't do that. (laughs) That's just asking for trouble. I remember the one time the kid had it hooked and he got it up to the bank and he's like, what do we do? I'm like, well, I'm not going anywhere near his mouth with pliers. He's I'm like, he's going to snap off my finger. (laughs) So I, I cut it at the line as close as I could to him. I'm like, he's just going to have a lip piercing. That's the way it is. Um, that can go along with his bad attitude, but
2: (laughs) I try not to, um, to question God's decisions too many times, but, uh, bolt cutters with legs are <laughs> my, my best. Like, I, I don't think that was his best idea. I, I don't I had get. A... Go ahead. I, I don't get, um, like uncomfortable around many things out on the water. I, I've had snakes fall into my kayak and I just grab them and throw them overboard. Um, you know, spiders i'm not a huge fan of but i mean
1: i can deal with them snapping turtles are the one things that just give me the hippie jibbies. (laughs) i uh i used to trout fish at a friend he was actually from my little league baseball team he was a player on my team and he uh, lived right by this amazing creek to fish um they stocked it and uh, his house was like right on the bank so i'd go uh sleep over at his house and we'd go trout fishing and the only thing about right by his area was it was super muddy Um, so you would just take off your shoes and walk barefoot and he always used to say if you feel something move when you put your feet in the mud get it out of there because the snapping turtles like to sit in that mud too and that's all i could think about and man the first time i felt something move i was like nope i'm done i'm gonna fish (laughs) over here Uh, i was like i am not losing a toe i'm not i'm not i don't need to fish there that badly so for sure for sure But that's a good advice about the line too. I've noticed that on the river a ton this year. Um, I don't know if it's um, catfish uh, guys fishing for catfish from the shore. that are just using heavy, heavy line and, and um, pretty good size weight. And, you know, I've, when I'm fishing close to the shore, a lot of times on the river, if I'm throwing a crankbait, I'm getting it stuck and I'm pulling up line left and right. And I, when I catch it, I usually try and bring it up and, you know, as much as I can. And a lot of times on my kayak, I can get it unstuck because you know from whatever i I can come at it from a different angle than maybe the the guys from the bank can and um so i'll i'll pull it up wrap it around my hand and then just throw it in the back of my kayak and then right where i put in there's a there's like a this like pvc tube that someone made that says you know put old fishing line here so that's usually what i do with it um but yeah i try and take it out when i find it too because it's so obnoxious because at first it feels like a bite but then you know, it, it kind of yeah. fights back a little bit, but then you quickly figure out that it's fishing line, and so so it's definitely good advice. If you can break it off, break it off, and you know, don't go overboard. You're not going to need, you know, especially steel leader in a in a park pond. I'm pretty sure there's yeah. nothing in there going to chew through your leader, for sure, for sure. Besides a snapping turtle. So ready? Right. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. So cool. All right. So, um, and, um, so what's your strategy generally, you just, uh, do you look for a cover or are you just kind of, um, taking it as you get, come to it, you know? So, um, main
2: thing, um, make sure you've got a good pair of, of polarized sunglasses because, um, what you can see in the water is going to make a big difference. Um, if it's, if it's during the middle of the day, I'm targeting shade. Um, Uh, these, these ponds don't have a lot of, a lot of shade most of the time. So I am like, um, this is from, from Jay's jigs. This is one of their skirted finesse jigs. Um, I'm taking one of these with like a, a double tail grub as a trailer and I'm skipping that under, under overhanging branches and stuff into the shade. Um, and uh, what I'm doing is I'm fishing it like I would a wacky rig. I'm watching it on it on the way down mm-hmm. uh, watching the line um, on the way down let it sit on the bottom for a couple seconds couple quick hops watch the line on the way down couple quick hops watch the line on the way down reel it in skip it back under there watch it on the way down just like a wacky rig um, so that's uh that's usually if if I know it's gonna be a tough day or if it's like whenever I'm fishing on my lunch break in the middle of the day, that's what I'm starting with. Okay. Um, if I notice, uh, the great thing about these, tw- uh, double tail grubs as a trailer is if I notice that they're chasing, chasing it a lot, these work as like swim jigs too. Um, I can just swim it. Um, and that gives it action that way too. Um, it, Jay's jigs has a bunch of different colors. Um, that one that I that one's the one I like the most. It's called um, Cross-eyed Cricket. Um, that's pretty. They, yeah, and then they've got uh, ones like that that um, are made to mimic shad. So put like a little uh, finesse uh, finesse swim bait on that You can swim mm-hmm. that, um, and that'll come through through cover pretty well if you're paying attention as you're going through. Um, so that's that's going to be something if I'm going real early in the morning or as the sun is going
1: down, um, the popper, I was just going to say that sounds like a top water time. Um, you
2: know? <laughs> so, um, fishing the popper on the, on these ponds, um, is, is really productive for me because I feel like so many people don't do it right. Um, This is one of the reasons that straight braid is important to me. Um, So a popper is something I want to cast as close to cover as I can and leave it there. But whenever I'm using like mono or um, like a a poly or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, any kind of line memory means that it's going to spring back and it's going to pull that popper away from the cover. So braid is going to stay right there and I can give it a, pop pop and you're looking for that glue sound mm-hmm. um so in my opinion the rebel pop r is as good as it gets um and that baby bass color um is like i said these are stock ponds they don't see much other than bass and bluegill um or whatever sunfish they're stocked with mm-hmm. so the, the baby bass is going to be one of the main forages for bigger bass. So uh, that, that baby bass color has been, has been big for me. Um, if I'm going to be doing topwater, another one that I like is the, uh, the tiny torpedo mm-hmm. um, from, from Hedden. And just kind of throw that out there. And uh, I straight retrieve that. Um, just across the surface real slow. Um, another big, big one for me is inline spinners. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, so for these, these ponds, you know, small stuff like that is going to be key. Um, one thing I will say with that, um, is using a, um, like a snap swivel makes a big difference on that. Cause so like, for instance, this one, I, I tied straight on mm-hmm. and a couple times, last time I was fishing it, the line wrapped around, I don't know if this is long enough to do it, but the line wrapped around the, uh, the blade like that. Mm-hmm. So whenever it spun, the whole thing spun and created line twist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, snap swivels are big there. Um. Beetle spins are, I mean, if you were getting into, to fishing of any kind, um, a beetle spin is the best $1. 50 you you're going to spend. <laughs> um, and that, that black with the yellow stripes, that's the, that's the main one I use, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my arsenal whenever it comes to, um, whenever it comes to fishing these little ponds. Unless it's going to be, you know, in the wintertime, whenever it's super cold, I might need to switch to a drop shot and a Ned rig on that. Um, Okay. But, um, but yeah, in terms of strategy, um, the main thing I do is I'm walking around uh, with my polarized glasses looking to see what's going on. Um, A lot of these places have a bunch of ducks and people come and feed the ducks and they always come to the same spot to feed the ducks. So there's always a bunch of bluegill and stuff in that spot waiting to be fed. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see these big schools of bluegill. Um, If you throw something like a, uh, like a little crankbait or an inline spinner or something just on the outside of that, a lot of times there's a bigger bass waiting there um, waiting for one of the smaller bluegills to, to get a little bit, a little bit too brave and venture away from the, from the school um, but, uh, and then, you know, you can, uh, a lot of times like two days, two days after they stock, um, with fingerlings is an awesome time to throw like a popper or something. Cause you can see these schools of little fingerling bass everywhere. And, um, every so often you'll just see this little, um, the shine of a bass go through them. <laughs> uh so um, something like a popper or or something where you can kind of stay in that school and look right. like you're um or a fluke even um something like that would work really well there um I really like to fish a fluke on a shaky head um and kind of look on like a shaky little, head okay yeah it just looks like a little fish um like eating on the bottom and yep. like not paying attention and you know, the, <laughs> bass comes along and yes so,
1: um cool i mean a, a bunch of those baits are, are are definitely some of my favorites too um i'm super close i think to getting one of the big inline spinner companies to come on and just do an episode on them because um, i feel like they're so overlooked for uh for bass i mean i know they're not necessarily when you think inline spinner you might not necessarily think it's a bass bait but I have right. had days on the river where i just tore them up on them. And I, I think it's just such an overlooked bait because it's so easy to throw. And, and um, I mean, it just, it flat out catches them for me anyway. So. It does. Um,
2: I started out on, on them. And for me, like my favorite is the Panther Martin.
1: And that may that or color... may not be the company that I'm talking to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that color right there. I don't remember exactly what they call it. Um, that, has i've caught more more bass on that color than any other lure um so it is that got to remember i'm on a podcast uh it's that pinkish uh pinkish and white um with the little dots on it and the the fly type tail on the bottom so
1: yeah i've done Um, i've done well on the the bumblebee colors like you talked about the black and yellow um I've done really well on the river with the kind of chartreuse with a bronze blade. Um I don't know why that combination works well, but for whatever reason that's my go-to on the river. Um but the the bumblebee color has worked for me as well when uh you know if I lose all of my chartreuse ones. Um but the bumblebee one also, I call it the bumblebee, it's black and yellow. Um but it uh that one works for me on creeks and stuff too. Yep. <laughs> so um uh, i was thinking uh jerry throw uh like a popping frog i i've seen i've been watching a bunch of frogging videos lately and it seems like it's a good combination of a popper and a frog to me um i feel I like i have
2: um and i i enjoy it um but the thing is um I like i said i like to take one rod mm-hmm. and um a a medium heavy is about as low as, as I'll go on, on a, on a frog to really get a good hook set with those hooks. Right. And, um, that's just a little bit as kind of overkill for most of these ponds, um, in terms of what, what other lures I would be fishing that day. So, um, so I I don't do it a lot, but I have done it. Um, if I'm going to be fishing a frog, I prefer a, a popping frog for sure
1: cool. I I'm just, that's one of uh, the few techniques that I haven't done a lot of. So I've been reading a lot about it lately. Um, I have a guest lined up, I think to do a frogging episode. So, um, it's just something I've been doing a little more research lately, but that makes sense that it might be a little, especially rod wise. Like I don't even own a heavy rod. I'm working on getting one. Uh, I have one on order, I believe, um, that I'm waiting to get yet, but, um, uh, so, uh, again, I understand the hardware for that is definitely a little different and you're not going to have nearly as much, uh, kind of universal things you can throw on that rod. So that makes sense. Um, another thing I was thinking about, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, if you don't have the, the slime around the edges, one of the best tech, uh, tips I heard about fishing um, ponds is to always make your first cast from maybe five feet back right to the edge you know because a lot of times if you walk straight up to the edge you're going to spook fish that are there whereas if you if you cast from five feet back or as far back as you can um just to hit that edge first before you walk right up to it um that's one i think i think that was chad hoover that uh talked about that the first time i heard it as well Um,
2: absolutely um so for me um it, I don't typically get a chance to walk up to a spot that somebody didn't just leave most of the time whenever I'm at these ponds. Uh, but, but if I'm, if I'm there and I, I realize I'm the first one there, absolutely. I'm, I'm casting from a ways back. Um, cause I, I, I do see them, you know, spook off from there, uh, on a regular basis. Um, another, another little tip that now this is something that if you, um, if you're not an accurate caster, um, don't do this and I wouldn't recommend doing it with treble hooks, uh, but follow the ducks. Um, a lot of times you (laughs) see like ducks that are like, um, eating on the side, on the, on the edge and stirring up a, a big cloud of, of dirt there. Um, don't, don't try to cast right next to them, but wait until they, they move off a little bit and cast into that cloud, um, with, with something like um, something like a little, um, little jig or something. Um, because a lot of times these, these bass, I I'm seeing like one of the ponds I fish has a, has a few Muscovy ducks that, that stay there. Um, and I think they're, they're pets of somebody who lives near them. Um, but they go and they, they make a mess on the side, uh, stirring up this big cloud of silt, eating on little bugs and stuff. And, you look right behind them and there's two bass that are like sitting there waiting for one of those little bluegills or something to, to dart out from there. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're grabbing them. So, um, wait until the, the duck moves a little bit cast into that cloud and like make a quick jerk. And whenever that, that bait like flies out from that, um, a lot of times that, That'll get the attention of that bass, and then that bass will come and grab it. So,
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's
1: BlueNile.com. Cool, cool. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of The Realistic Fisherman? He's another YouTuber. Um, he's kind of has a crazy long beard. He does a lot of bank fishing, and um, he seems to have a lot of luck, too. And, and so I've, I've tried to... I don't go bank fishing as much as I used to. Now that I have my kayak, I almost always try to go out, but there's definitely times, whether it's weather or just time or, you know, what have you, that I am kind of stuck to the bank. And, um, so, I mean, he, he started out, you know, he always threw a lot of lures that I never would have thought to throw, uh, from the bank. And, because I, when I've bank fished now, maybe it was more inexperienced than anything, but I felt like I got snagged a ton, like almost everything and anything I threw for the most part, I would snag. And um, so I avoided treble hooks like the plague. Cause I felt like, well, <laughs> that's just three times as more likely to snag. So, um, but you know, now, now that I'm a little more comfortable, I, you know, I, I should go back to that. But um, for anybody who's looking for, you know, Bank fishing techniques and, and stuff I'd, I'd recommend his uh, youtube channel um awesome. he's a he's an interesting guy he definitely tells it like he is he's a little uh uh crash at, or crass at sometimes but uh, i mean he definitely he's he is what he so, says he is realistic fishing he'll All he right. uh he tells it like it is so um So, yeah. um, Anything else you think we should cover? Um, I'm trying to think. I know. uh, I mean, I I've actually had a lot of luck with live bait, too, um, uh, in those kind of scenarios. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's usually something I'll if I know I'm going to be bank fishing, I'll usually try and and bring along um, just because I feel like uh, it kind of ups my odds. And normally I'm not going to be fishing for any kind of tournament or anything if I'm going to be bank fishing. So I don't necessarily mind having live bait as much, um, especially if I bring my kids, because I know you know live bait oh, yeah, for, sure. for for kids generally is going to catch them more fish than artificials. But um, uh, but I also don't want them to be the whole where they just kind of sit, cast it out, and just sit there. And because to me, that's the fishing I I started with um, when you know the few people that I did get the fish with when I was little. That that was how they fish. And so for the longest time I didn't think I liked fishing because I didn't like sitting there watching a bobber or, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So, right. um, I, I try to limit that as much as I can too, but that being said, I think live bait does work.
2: It, it definitely does. And when you're doing that, um, so I use, I use live bait a lot for the sunfish. Um, I use uh, little wax worms on a little hook while you're doing that, uh, if you can see them, pay attention to what how the bass are reacting to that school of bluegill. Whenever the bluegill, um, you know they hear that little plop and they all rush to it. Um, watch how the bass react to that. Um, so that will kind of give you an idea of um, how they're reacting to the bluegill. You can watch the bluegill and know what the bass are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even whenever you're fishing for, um, whenever you're fishing for bass, you can you can tell a lot about what the bass are doing by what the bluegill are doing. And usually right. they're the ones that are much easier to see. They're, they're out in the open, um, up against the bank, um, not quite as well camouflaged um, as a bass. So um, they're usually a lot easier to see. And a lot of times you can tell what the bass are doing by the behavior of the, the bluegill, just by going and, um, and fishing for bluegill for a little while and watching what the bluegill are doing and then seeing how the bass react to that
1: it is interesting how bluegill seemed to be not nearly as shy as as bass can be uh but uh, i remember that uh man i, I forget I, we went to a nature preserve one time and i uh ended up with a real light ultralight rod and and just a like a pack of worms and we were just pinching off like half inch pieces of these worms putting it on a tiny little hook And it was just like you could watch the bluegills kind of fight over it. And you were guaranteed a bluegill every time you cast. And um, I was just thinking, man, you know, if I was a bass, I would be just sitting there on the outskirts of that, just waiting for one to get a little way from the pack and, you know, easy lunch. So,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. um, I mean, most of these ponds aren't very deep so keep that in mind whenever you're choosing, um, choosing your techniques. Um, uh, most of them, um, you know, if they get to six, seven feet, um, uh, I highly doubt they do. Um, at least the ones here that I'm fishing, um, keep in mind that I'm talking about the ponds that I fish. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ponds all over the country. They're all going to be different. So keep that in mind. Um, but, uh, another thing is to, uh, and this is really, really, really hard for me. And that is to slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, whether, whether you're fishing a moving bait, whether you're fishing a finesse bait on the bottom, um, uh, slow down a lot of times I am, um, I'm fishing way too fast Uh, especially with something like a little, little finesse jig or something. Um, I'm sitting it there and I keep hopping it instead of, you know, twitching it. Sometimes that twitch is what they need. Um, So, um,
1: and along with that, I would think, uh, I think uh, the online outdoorsman was the one who told me this was just keep in mind of how much your twitches move it. Like for those little finesse baits, if you move the tip of your rod, you know, four inches, it's making that bait hop a ton. And he's like, whereas if you're just, just lightly flicking or, you know, just barely twitching it, it's going to be much more natural movement. Um, He's like, you don't see um, bait fish doing these huge, you know, four inch, six inch hops. So he's like, just keep in mind, like watch your rod tip and as much as your rod tip is moving is how much that bait is moving. So, you know, if you can picture on the bottom, the bait doing exactly what your rod tip is doing, it helps, that helps me anyway, um, keep from imparting too much action on it, which I think a lot of times I have a tendency to do.
2: The part I have trouble remembering is that if I am feeling the weight of the lure on these finesse lures, it's in the middle of the water column. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got to try and remember that.
1: yeah and then and that's where like when i switch from like wacky rigging to um finesse stuff i really have trouble because when i wacky rig i usually use a weighted wacky rig hook so i like to feel that um because i know then when i'm twitching it up and i can then let it fall and then when i twitch it up again i know where it is whereas when i use a Ned rig and stuff i just have to get to comfortable either knowing how long it's going to hit and what what the line does when it bellows out you know when it you know you can tell that lure hits the bottom um so it it really does make a big difference depending on the type of type of lure you're throwing and especially the weight of the lure you're throwing so absolutely all right man well um I'm trying to think of anything else we should cover on this. Uh, I definitely now want to go out and try some, some ponds, at least just to see what's out there, because I feel like I don't see a ton of people fishing them. And so I'm first going to have to check and see if you're even allowed, because I do, I feel like we have a ton of parks doing these library finds and stuff with my kids. I've, I've been to a ton of parks that have water. Um, Some of them I've obviously fished because they're lakes and they have big bodies of water and I've definitely fished there, but um, some of the smaller ones have, ponds and stuff and so that's definitely something i'm gonna look into because like you said if, if you have the don't have enough time to you know go through the process of you know loading up the yak and going out and you know spending you know three four hours um if you can just get away for an hour or two hours and you know just enough to scratch that itch i think it's it's a perfect outlet you know uh even just to break the tension or you know just give your get some stress out, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, one, one last thing, it may sound mean, uh, but if you can find someone that it's like, it looks like they are almost know what they're doing. Um, maybe they're, maybe they're fishing just, just a little bit too fast. Um, fish right behind them with, with something really finessey, (laughs) And, um, because they've already gotten the bass's attention, they just, their lure was moving too fast for the bass to, Realize it wanted to catch it, so throw something finesse out there right behind them and see. Um, they they may get a little frustrated with you, but a lot of
1: times you can end up having a pretty decent day that way. I uh, I remember fishing right behind a guy uh, who was throwing a whopper popper, and I was throwing just a regular Rico popper, and I was catching fish behind him, and he kept turning around and being like, "What the heck are you doing?" And I'm not doing. And I'm like, "Dude, it's just you know, I don't think they want." It moving as fast as the whopper poppers moving man and you just need to either pause your whopper popper and start it up again or you know just try popping it you know like you would a popper and i i just continued to i was following him up the bank you know he was in his kayak and i was in mine probably about 20 yards behind him and i just kept pulling him out and he was, <laughs> every time he'd turn around he's like oh my gosh you know so <laughs> well cam i wanted to ask you a question too i you know you get to you did a lot of questions on uh, when I was on your podcast. So one of the questions I've kind of asked some of my guests and I kind of gotten away from it, but I'd like to get back to it is um, if you could think about it, what's the best piece of fishing advice you've gotten or advice in general? Uh, It's, it's something I I think, you know, can extrapolate to life in general, but if it's just fishing, that's fine too.
2: Okay. Um, As far as, as far as fishing goes, um, slow down, um, is the, has got to be the best one. Um, it is the one I have the most trouble following. <laughs> um, <laughs> cause I mean, uh, I've, I've got to think about how, how much line, like, especially whenever I'm using a bait caster, um, you know, if I'm using a seven, seven, five to one gear ratio and it, let's, I've, let's say it's, it's pulling in uh three feet of line per rotation and I'm burning that thing. That, uh, that little, that little beetle spin is moving at like <laughs> three and a half miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and those bass are going,
1: what was that?
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I ain't never seen anything like that around here. You know? It's yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't know stuff could move that fast. (laughs) So so that, and, and also with, with finesse stuff, that's the the part I have the the most trouble with is, you know, leaving it there that extra little bit. Um, One thing these little ponds are great for is, you know, they're shallow enough that you can, you can make a short cast and watch, watch your lure and see how it is acting um, with this little bit of a, of a twitch or this, this tiny little bit of a twitch. Um, and I I will say I am much better at finesse whenever I am sight fishing in the springtime on, uh, on, uh, on beds whenever I can see my lure and how Mm. it's reacting than I am in the summertime, whenever it's, it's, uh, murky Brown and I can't see what's going on down there. So, um, having that that knowledge of what your bait is doing whenever you do this versus
1: that yeah, you know. especially when you can see it disappear
2: that's my favorite <laughs> thing when i can
1: see my lure and all of a sudden poof, it's going on i'm like oh it's in a fishes now absolutely cool man well I, th- I think that's definitely good advice we just did our jig show and that was one of the big things that um i heard over and over again about fishing a jig is if you think you're fishing it too slow slow down because you're not fishing it slow enough so, um, that... I, I, I struggle with jigs, um, still,
2: but I didn't start having success with jigs until someone told me, um, to think of it like a really heavy, wacky rig. And at that point, you know, I, I kind of understood it a little bit better. Um, that makes
1: sense. Yeah.
2: You kind of, you know, you, you're watching your line and you're, um, uh, you kind of do that same kind of motion it's just
1: getting to the getting to the bottom a whole lot faster (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're definitely you're you're targeting the bottom a lot more than uh you know a wacky rig would but but yeah that makes sense it is a very similar movement once you're down there so cool man well thanks again for coming on um do you uh i definitely let you shout out your podcast because it is amazing i definitely you know if my listeners haven't checked you out yet uh you've talk to a ton of amazing people and hearing you know the face side of their stories is amazing so where can the folks find that
2: absolutely so we're on um all of the, the major podcast platforms um apple podcast google podcast um spotify um anchor stitcher and a few of the other ones too um and uh so yeah just it's faith. Uh, apostrophe in uh there is faith space apostrophe in space fish apostrophe in um or just you know faith and fish and um you can check out uh, the website it's uh faith the letter in fish the letter in dot w i x s i t e dot com slash podcast it's a long one because it's free <laughs> um and um uh, and yeah, so, uh, check out, check us out on Instagram. Um, it's at faith Fish and fishing pod. Uh, Facebook is, uh, faith Fish and fishing, uh, join the faith Fish and fishing group on Facebook. We, um, uh, try to, uh, ask the question, how can we pray for you this, this week? How can we pray for each other this week? Um, and kind of share our, our fishing adventures and and keep each other in prayer and stuff it's it's growing pretty fast and it's uh it's really awesome to see all the new faces so i would love to see y'all up there too Um, so yeah, uh, one thing I definitely want to do, um, I have been on the OG show, like you said, I've been on, um, off the water and I have yet to thank my listeners on this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I want to, I want to thank everyone who's listened to the podcast. Um, whether you've listened to it once or whether you've listened, uh, to every episode that's come out, it means the world to me that you're listening. Um, so definitely want to say thank you, uh, to y'all. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, thank you to, uh, save your outdoors and jade's jigs and, um, get outdoors, uh, pedal and paddle, uh, some great sponsors of the podcast. Um, I wanted to do something special for y'all too. Uh, we've got a merch store. Um, and, uh, so we've got t-shirts and, uh, and stickers, hoodies. Um, So you can go uh, to the website, click on the, uh, on the shop tab and it'll take you right to it. Um, and if you, uh, so this podcast goes up this coming Monday, is that right? That's right.
1: Yep.
2: uh, Two weeks from Monday, this is going to expire, but use code, uh, promo code noobs. It'll get you 20% off of anything in the store. So awesome. Um, I think it's anything, um, Teespring just, uh, raise their prices. So they won't let a a discount work if it takes, uh, if it eats into their cut. So, um, if 20% is too much on, on something small, like a sticker or something, it it may not work,
1: but I think it'll work on everything. Cool. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I think you're doing great things. I love the, you know, the product spotlight thing that you do. Um, Jay's jigs is relatively new. You just got them, right? Not too long ago
2: yeah um we have been uh let's see i guess it's been about a month month and a half something like that okay um but they've been awesome um joey's been on the podcast now mm-hmm. um so yeah um they're they're running a big uh labor day sale right now everything's uh 20 off over at jaysjigs.com so make sure uh uh whenever this comes out i think you've got until midnight tonight um to go check that out so um so do that but for awesome. sure
1: well cam thanks so much for coming on man um it's been awesome um so guys uh go on and check out uh cam's uh podcast faith and fishing uh, i'll make sure i'll put the link to that uh uh in the show notes when this comes out and um you guys can definitely go check him out if you haven't already uh, so thanks again man uh, it's been awesome uh, well, everyone thank you for having me on him? no problem brother anytime we'll I'll definitely have you have to have you back because uh, you have the knowledge that goes along with everything so alright guys well this has been the Bass Fishing for Noob segment on the Pal and Finn podcast where we bring you the techniques the tricks and the tips to help you rip more lips and we will catch you later so I'm just looking for my outro I always skip the outro there it is alright thanks guys
0: Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking.